In John chapter 4, of course we started this last week, we'll be in verses 27 through 54 this morning. Turn in your Bibles there if you will. It was a good uh, good message there, talking about Jesus as, as he went to the well there and his encounter with the Samaritan woman. <clears throat> and then we're going to look in today, we're going to find... Some marvelous works of Christ. We'll see a testimony that brings others to Jesus. We'll see fields that are ready for harvest and a miraculous uh, healing of a nobleman's son. Amen. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's good. I love the Word of God. I love going through the Gospels. And we'll be, we'll be in John 4. We also see a little bit out of uh, Luke chapter 10. Kind of seeing how these Gospels flow together a little bit this morning. Amen. Amen, when everyone has it here, John chapter 4, starting in verse 27. I'm going to go ahead and begin to read. Let's get into this message this morning and see what God has for us. John 4, starting in verse 27, the scripture reads this, And upon this came his disciples and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? Uh, I'll just pause there for one second. Remember, the disciples had gone off to get meat. They had had the pots and all everything there to do that. Um, dirt, while they were gone, Jesus had sat at the well, middle of the heat of the day. The woman who had been living the uh, you know sinful lifestyle comes to the well. Jesus encounters her. They have their exchange. Um, he reveals the living water that we all need in our life. Amen. If we would take from the water that Jesus is offering, we will drink and we'll never be thirsty again. Amen. And so now he's had this exchange with her and they come back and find him there. They've seen him talking with her. Of course, they would know that Jewish custom. Remember, the Jews would go roundabout. They wanted to avoid any contact with the Samaritans. And so, and then in addition to that, here's a Samaritan woman who's living an ungodly lifestyle. And of course, the Jews would have treated like, oh, just being in, around her would make me unclean or something, you know, right? So that self righteousness would be there and everything else. But when they come, notice this it says that they marveled that, that he talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? Do you see that? They were amazed that he was encountering her, but by this time, they were smart enough not to accuse the Lord of some kind of bad motive or intention. Amen? Uh, listen now, we live in a day and age where if the minister's caught out in public speaking to a, a, a street-walking lady or something, they'd be all over Facebook, they'll be all talking about him like he was soliciting some kind of ungodly act when he may have just been out sharing the gospel. He may have been street preaching. Amen. We happen to be friends with a pastor uh, in Franklinton, out in Columbus, in a very, very rough area. They have a lot of you know women and prostitution and things like that in that area, a lot of drugs and stuff. And one of their outreach ministries is they go through the community and they try to encourage them to get out of that lifestyle, obviously, but they'll provide some kind of things to their needs and to give them the gospel and they street preach and all kinds of things but you know what we live in a world today where people they don't know everything but they sure talk like they do amen 
and they see something and they draw a conclusion and they go and run their mouth about it and gossip it and uh, put it on Facebook and, and accuse this person of this and they put labels on Can I give you some, um, something good to hold on to today? You are not what people label you as. Amen? If you've been given an unfair label by somebody that doesn't really know what they're talking about, you're not what they say you are. You are defined by the Word of God. Amen? If you're saved or you're lost. Now, I'm not talking about one of these, you know, there's that one guy that's like, I am what it says I am. I'm not talking about that. I'm saying, but there's a little bit of truth in that statement because you are what the Bible says that you are in the sense of if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're blood-bought, redeemed, you're, you're destined for eternity with Christ. Amen? Um, so that's, I'll wear that label proudly, amen? I'm born again believer as we went in John chapter 3. You must be born again, right? So here we have this though, and it comes up. The disciples come and they marveled that he talked with the woman, but they didn't question the motives. They figured at this point, they know they're following the Messiah. They know he's the Christ. So whatever reason he has to talk with her, we know that it's probably a good one. So, you know, they get to witness this, but you'll find this though. Uh, we may get out of verse 27 this morning, maybe not, I don't know. But I think that this is interesting. We, we're seeing here the marvelous works of Christ. Amen? The fact that Christ was willing to meet me where I was at in my sin, I was unacceptable to God, I was lost, I was doing things, but the fact that He was willing to save me, that's a marvelous work. Amen? That's a marvelous work. But I'm going to give you a couple things. There's four things in the Bible we find that people marveled at with Christ. Amen. Can I give you these real quick? First, they marveled at his teachings. If you look back at John chapter 3, you remember verse 7? Jesus told Nicodemus, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. There's several examples in Scripture where Jesus is teaching and they marveled at it, right? They were amazed by it. They were taken back at it. It caused them to go into deep contemplation about you know what? Wow, he just said, that. you know, there's something enlightening to the soul about receiving the teachings of Christ in our life. Amen. And you know what else? The Bible tells us that the things of the word of God have to be spiritually discerned. And that's why there's that enlightenment that it just when something in the Bible comes out at you and you understand it, um, especially if it's the first time that God's given you understanding on a certain passage, don't you just get all joyful and bubbly and happy inside? You just feel all, you know, it's ecstatic. It's exciting because you realize that without the Holy Spirit of God, none of this will make any sense to you. You have to spiritually discern it. But you know what? When he teaches and we're learning, we marvel. We're just amazed at the word of God. Every time I open the Bible and I read and something that's going on in the Scripture, Jesus' interactions with people, the parables, I marvel at it. I can imagine they marveled at it because they were physically present before our Lord. Amen? But I marvel at it. It just amazes me. Uh, so they marvel at His teachings. Here's another one. <clears throat> they marvel at His works. Amen? The people marveled at His teaching. They marveled at His works. Let's look at an example. Hold your spot there in chapter 4. Just go over one, one chapter. And look at chapter 5. <clears throat> Go to 
this is, uh, this is interesting. So Jesus had come at this point. And I don't want to get into because we'll obviously be in chapter 5 next week. But there's a miracle that happens here at the uh, pool of Bethesda. All right. And then down here in verse 19, um, you know, they were they were questioning him about certain things. And he's, he answers them in verse 19. This is Jesus. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do, for what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. Jesus is saying, I'm doing what the Father is doing, because Jesus is God, and he's God in the flesh, amen? He's doing the works of God on earth, and so that's that's what's happening. Um, but look at this in verse 20, so they've They've marveled at the works, the healings at this time. They've seen healings. They've seen the miracles. They've seen that uh, he's willing to reach Gentiles with the message of salvation. He's willing to encounter the woman of Samaria. Um, he's, wi- he's willing to go to the places others won't go with the gospel. He's willing to talk to the people that others won't talk to with the gospel. And so they've been amazed at this. And then he does this, and I love this. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth, and he will shew him greater works than these that ye may marvel. Think about that. Just dwell on that statement for a second. He's going to show them greater works than these that they may marvel. You know what that's saying? If you think this is something to marvel at, you haven't seen anything yet. And you think about it this time, Jesus knows. You see what I'm saying? He's walking, he's here, this is his earthly life, his earthly ministry, but he knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be sacrificed. I mean, he knows he's going to sacrifice himself. He's going to be crucified. He knows he's going to be put in the tomb. But what is he referring to? You're going to see greater works than these. The resurrection. Amen. That's the greatest work. And my conviction is the resurrection is the greatest work ever done by God. Because this whole, everything we believe in our entire faith rests upon the resurrection of Christ. You take the resurrection out or you try to explain it any other way than he literally rose from the dead and appeared, revealed himself 40 days, then ascended into heaven, you're changing the whole faith. Even Paul addressed it 1 Corinthians 15, if there's no resurrection of Christ, this is all vain. My preaching does nothing and everyone's still in their sin. So it all rests upon the resurrection. But what are these, what are the marvelous works that that are going to come that's greater than the miracles, greater than the fact... You know what it is? It's we get to be saved, and then we get to be commissioned, and we get to go out into the world and share the gospel that other people would receive eternal life. Now, that's a greater work worth marveling at. And Jesus calls it that. He says that uh, it's greater, that the fact that, yeah, He's God, and He's doing it, but God considers it a great thing when His children want to serve him and go out and share the gospel with others. It's a miracle. Amen. You're here today because of a miracle God's done in your life. And it's a miracle that he's given us opportunity to share our faith with other people around us. And when we see other people get saved, that's a miracle. So they marveled at his teachings. You must be born again. They marveled at his works. The fact that, uh, he heals, he does miracles, but then he says, greater works you'll see that you'll marvel. He says, you think you've seen a lot, you haven't seen anything yet. Well, let me submit this to you today. If you've been walking with the Lord for a while, you still have a lot to look forward to in Christ, amen? 
You've probably seen a lot of things in your faith. You may see the rapture. Amen? Um, even if you don't, at the end of this life, we'll be, we'll be present with the Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen? We've sung about it. We've talked about it in our psalms. I'm redeemed today. I know where I'm going. There's not going to be any tears. There's not going to be any pain. There's not going to be any sickness. None of those things. It's all going to be amazing. It's going to be marvelous. Amen. But you're going to see, uh, even if you, even if you're not uh, physically here when the rapture happens, do you know when the rapture and Jesus comes back in the clouds? You'll still be with him, so you're still going to see it. Amen. Doesn't the Bible tell us that? It says that he'll, we're going to be, we're going to meet them in the air. Amen. They're going to be work. So those that we love that have gone on before us will be with Christ in the cloud. That's how he's going to come in like manner as he was taken up. That's the rapture. Then there'll be this event that takes place on earth. And then we'll come back physically with him for at Mount Zion for his literal second coming on earth where he sets up a millennial kingdom. The Bible tells us we get to reign with him. That's a marvelous work, isn't it? Why would he want me to reign with him? He doesn't need me to do anything. Yeah, amen? I, I don't consider myself fit to reign over a kingdom that belongs to my Savior, Jesus Christ. But you know what? We'll be like him. We'll be as he is. Because it says in the Bible. That we're So, you know, I don't even understand everything about what I'm actually going to be like when I'm in my glorified body and everything. I don't. I don't have complete understanding of that. I just know that I won't sin. I won't be tempted. I can't get sick. I'll live forever. Uh, I presume the Bible tells, boy, I'm going off a rabbit trail here, but that's okay. It's a good one. The Bible says we're going to eat. So I guess we'll eat in heaven, right? Uh, the Bible says we'll eat. The Bible says we'll drink. We're going to have a great time. I'm looking for, I'm getting excited thinking about it right now. It's going to be a blessing. I can tell you this, my experience as a Christian has been the best experience of my life. I wish I had become a Christian when I was a kid, amen, with Jonathan's age, and experienced this for even longer than I have, but boy, I'm grateful I have the opportunity now. But you know, my life without Jesus was not pleasant. None of our life without Christ is pleasant, Amen. But it's meant the world to me. It's already, it's already marvelous in my eyes. The fact that an old, busted up, alcoholic, messed up, good for nothing is somebody Jesus still wanted to talk to. Amen? Jesus had still saved me. Jesus still had mercy on me. I cried out. I said, Lord, I need to be saved. And He saved me. Amen? It was that easy. I knew in my heart I needed Jesus. My whole life has been positive since I got saved. All the bad things that, you know, I mean, I still have challenges. We still have trials. We still have tribulations. I'm not saying that. But those don't compare. The sufferings of this present time, they don't compare to the glory which will be revealed in us. Amen. Every bad thing that's happened since I've gotten saved, it just hasn't, it hasn't seemed as bad because I know, you know what, I got Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. Amen? So no matter what comes, whatever my lot, whatever you send my way, Lord, it is well with my soul. 
Why? Because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of God and He's the Comforter and He abides with me and in me forever and ever no matter what comes my way. Even when it's suffering, even when it's trial, even when it's bad, I still feel the presence of God saying, it's okay, hang in there. I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. But you know what? It's just, it's, it's, it's just been amazing that you know, I couldn't, I couldn't stop drinking on my own. Jesus did that. I didn't stop drugs on my own. Jesus did that. It was a change of nature that took place. The things that have happened in my life since I got saved, a a wonderful family, children, a wife, uh, the career that I have, everything's come from God and it's already marvelous. But Jesus is saying, huh, you haven't seen anything yet. It's just getting started. It only gets better from here. That just makes me excited. So they marveled at his teaching. They marveled at his works. I'm still marveling at his works every day. Go back. I'll give you another one. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Give you a second to get there, excuse me. So here in Matthew chapter 9, look at those first eight verses. We find Jesus entering into a ship. He passes over, comes to his own city, and behold, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Amen? Um, verse 3, and behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. Boy, those Pharisaical people and those scribes, they always show up when God's trying to do something. Amen. They're always just trying to just always causing some kind of doubt, always nitpicking and, and just let God be God. Amen. I, you know, I'm just a man and I can't, uh, I'm not going to put Jesus inside of a box and try to define what he can do and can't do and everything else. But you know, this was, The reason they said that he committed blasphemy is because the Jews rejected Christ as the Messiah and they were refusing the fact that he was God and obviously God has the ability to forgive sin and Jesus is saying I can forgive sin because he's testifying to the fact that he is God in the flesh. Amen. And so he he says, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Here come the scribes and they've always got something to say. Uh, You know, I... it's Jesus. He's the Son of God. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. Uh, but the Pharisees called him a heretic and said he was filled with the devil. That's what they said. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? Whew, let that sink in. Uh, so verse 5, uh, he said, well, verse 4, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? It's an evil thing for people to say that what Jesus is doing is something that's not actually being done by God, it's something being done by some other spirit or whatever, and if they don't really know, because they're man, man judges, we look at the outward appearance, God knows the heart, amen? I don't want to judge people's hearts, I don't want to be anywhere in that business of being a judgmental, uh, condemning, uh, my way is the only right way, I know everything, and I know all the thoughts and righteous judgments of God, because I'm not a Pharisee, amen? Now, I know what the Bible says is right and wrong, but I can't judge anyone else. So I just follow the Word of God. You'll do well if you just follow the Word of God 
and let God be God. And so that's that's that. But we go on here and he tells them what's, you know, what what's easier to say? Thy sins be forgiven thee or say arise and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And I'm thankful today that he did. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his house. But when the multitude saw it, they marveled. They marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. So they marveled at his power. Amen. They marveled at the power of Christ. They marveled at the teachings of Christ. They marveled at the works of Christ. Um, stay in Matthew, go back chapter 8, uh, <clears throat> verse 27. Actually, I'll, I'll look at verse 23. This is another good one. And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. They're all in the ship together. This is very familiar to you. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Don't you love that? Jesus wasn't bothered at all. This is one of my favorite ones in the Bible. You know, it's just, I can, because I pictured, have you ever been caught in a storm in a boat at all? Uh, I'll tell you what, uh, well, if you haven't, don't go out and try it. It's, I don't recommend it. But um, I have, and uh, on a deep sea fishing boat as well. And uh, man, I tell you what, it's easy to picture them being a little bit frantic because it's a very unsettling thought when you're in a boat and you're looking over and the waves are taller than you are. And you realize at that point in time, um, I know this thing is supposed to be buoyant and float and go up and down, but you realize it wouldn't take much for that thing to crash over you and you're done. And then it's also a little unsettling because when you can't see land, it's very, you're, you're very, it's just intimidating. Amen. Um, uh, and I'm just, you have that thought like, well, how deep is the water and are there sharks in the water and can I swim to shore? And you, you know, all these things, all these worries. So they're worried and here's this storm. It kicks up and they're worried. And Jesus is just sleeping because he's God, of course, right? Sometimes when the storms of life get us frantic, Jesus is still, he's just as calm as he can be because he's God and he knows he's in control. Amen. We're frantic, he's calm. But anyway, we see this, and uh, it's, just, it's just an amazing thing. They're, they're, in, they're in the boat with Jesus. I would rather be in the boat with Jesus and have to face some storms than to be on land without Jesus and to maybe not have those same storms, but then I don't have Jesus. Amen? I'd rather have Jesus than anything. No matter what comes my way, I want Jesus. So get in the boat with Jesus. Because even if the storms come, He is perfectly in control and so here's this great tempest in the sea and the ship's covered by the waves verse 25 and his disciples came to him and awoke him saying lord save us we perish and he saith unto them why are ye fearful O ye of little faith we don't have anything to be in fear of today that's news amen i want you to receive that good news today good news Chinese spy balloons, you don't have anything to be afraid of. War in Ukraine, you don't have anything to be afraid of. World War III, you don't have anything to be afraid of. The stock market's crashing, you don't have anything to be in fear of. Mortgage rates going up. Property values going down. Don't fear these things. You have Jesus Christ. This world can fall apart around us 
the most important thing and the thing that matters most is that you belong to Jesus Christ. You have an eternal blessing and inheritance in heaven with Him. If it all falls apart around you, you still have Christ. Amen? The same yesterday, today, and forever. There's so many things that we're constantly bombarded every day to be afraid of. Jesus said, O ye of little faith, why are ye fearful, ye of little faith? Then he arose and he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Don't you love that? When Jesus speaks out, he can calm those storms in your life if it be the will of God. Amen? And you can imagine this storm, this thing was just tossing that boat around. They were, they were fearful. They were perishing. They were sure they were going to drown in, in the depth of the lake or the sea, wherever they were at. And, and it just all that wind. And he just said, be still. I don't even think he raised it. He may not have even raised his voice. Right? Because don't we do that? And everything's crazy. And so we try to elevate our voices if that will gain us additional control over a situation. But it doesn't. I bet you Jesus just said, be still. Just be still. And it just stopped. And what happened immediately after that? There was a great calm, verse 27, but the men marveled, saying, what manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Amen. So they marveled at his teaching. They marveled at his works. They marveled at His power and they marveled at His miracles. Let's go back to John chapter 4. I'll leave you with this thought on the, mer- on the marvelous works of Christ. Everything our Lord does is marvelous. Everything He does is marvelous. Amen? Amen? Aren't you glad that you have a marvelous relationship with the Savior today? Amen? And if you don't, you can because He won't turn you away just to ask Him. So let's, let's go. Wow, I've preached almost the whole sermon on one verse this morning. <clears throat> that's good because that's, that's a marvelous thing. Amen? Uh, verse 28, let's move on. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men. So she's so excited at this point. She's had this interaction with Jesus. This is the woman at the well and He's revealed Himself to her. He's revealed her need for Him and the water that He's offering that she'll never thirst again. And she's had this exchange with Christ and um, she, the Gospel has now made sense to her. She understands it. She, and she's so excited that she's left the pot behind. Don't even, she's not even worried about the water. She's not even worried what she went there for anymore. Amen? She just can't wait to go tell other people about Jesus. And so here she goes. She leaves the water pot. She goes her way into the city and saith to the men, right? Now, get this. This would have not been a, a woman that many men would have had much of a conversation with even in Samaria. But now, she's got her courage and her boldness to address them because guess what? Her motives are different. Amen? Her morals are different. God's done a change in her life. And so now she's gone in and she's saying unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto Him. You see that? A testimony brings others to Jesus. A testimony brings others to Jesus. What is our testimony? Well, visibly, they could see that this woman was changed. They could see that she was different. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone to see what she was talking about. They would have said, what? First you're immoral, now you're crazy. We're not going to listen to a word you have to say. That's not what happened at all. They took her very seriously. 
Amen? Is this not the Christ? Is this not the Messiah? See, they even knew, and these were people that the Jews wouldn't even talk to. But they knew the Word of God. In fact, they had more faith than the very Jews that were given the Word of God because they actually believed what it said. And the Jews didn't. But here she is, uh, and telling them, Is this not the Christ? And they went out of the city and came unto Him. Come and see. Is this not the Christ? And they went unto Jesus. So you see there in verse 28-30, through 30, we find that her testimony brings others to Jesus. Look down a few more verses though, and then we'll go back. Look at verse 39 for a second. What's it say? And many of the Samaritans of the city believed on Him for the saying of the woman. Amen? They believed on Him for the saying of the woman, which testified, He told me all that ever I did. So, when we share our testimony with the world around us, people make a personal connection, right? Your testimony is different than my testimony. God may use my testimony to reach some people that maybe your testimony wouldn't have that much of an impact on. But then he uses your testimony on people that maybe my testimony won't have as much of an impact on. It's not, you know, it's not saying any one of our testimony is more impactful or less impactful. It's that we all have the ability to reach certain people. I can't reach all of the people, but I can reach those that God brings my way. But guess what? My testimony is important because my testimony can bring others to Jesus. Your testimony, what God has done in your life, the transforming power of Christ in your life, can bring other people to know Jesus as Savior. Don't forget that. And then this is what happens. And I, I can kind of get ahead of myself for one second. But if you look here, down in, uh, well, we'll just go verse 40 and 41 for a second, and then we'll backtrack. So, many believed on Him for the saying of the woman. They went to Jesus because of her testimony, right? Uh, basically, if God can save her, what can He do for me? And so they go, Amen. If God can save this old boy up here in the pulpit this morning, you've got no excuse today. You need to go see what Jesus can do for you. Amen? And so they go. And then look at what happened. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days. So, right, we hear the testimony of someone else. We say, well, I believe. I want to go and see what he can do for me. And so they go. Now they're receiving Jesus. They're there uh, inquiring of Jesus. They're asking Jesus. That's... That's when a sinner says, Jesus, I know, that, I know that you can save because I've talked to other people that have been saved. Now I'm asking for you to save me. Amen? And so that's kind of the exchange. They go and they ask Him to abide. Look at verse 41. And many more believed because of His own word. Amen? It's great when our testimony brings others to Jesus, right? For the saying of the woman. It shows the power of a changed life. Amen? Her changed life because of Christ had great power in it. But it's better too because they come and now they get to receive Jesus for themselves and they get to hear it from the Word of God an even better source than from me. Amen? They've seen what it can do in my life. They believe that it can make a difference in their life. Then they go to Christ and they receive it for themselves. You see that pattern? And then the Word of God gets in uh, and, and does its amazing, uh, miraculous, and marvelous work in their life as well. Uh, so let's go back now a little bit and look here. Where did I leave off? 
Let's look at verse 30. Then they went out of the city. We're still in uh, John 4. We're in verse 30. They went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. <clears throat> so, you know, they're, they're praying that he eats at this point. Jesus has been so involved in the works of God that's going on that he's not even eating at this point. Amen. And so they're like, you need to eat something. You're not going to have strength to keep going. And so they're, they're begging him to eat. And then he says this, but he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, has any man brought him out to eat? Like, did you feed him? Because I didn't feed him. What's he talking about, right? Uh, again, his teachings making them marvel. And so uh, Jesus saith unto them, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Can I give you this today? Why do we eat? Because it's it 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 uh I can't find the words I'm looking for right now. It sustains us, amen. It nourishes us, right? Jesus is saying doing the will of God nourishes him. It, it sustains him. It's 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 more fulfilling, amen. We eat because we have a need that needs to be fulfilled. But doing the will of God is more fulfilling than even meeting our basic physical needs. In other words, if you're you can be in the will of God in something and and it, it you may not even realize you haven't eaten or whatever because you're just so focused on the Lord that it you know it doesn't even bother you, right? Not even paying attention to it because you're getting a fulfillment, a spiritual fulfillment by doing the will of God that's blessing you in a way that your physical needs no longer have the same level of importance. But in addition to this, we are talking about the Christ. We're talking about the Son of God. We're talking about God in the flesh. We're talking about the man who is God who went into the, the desert to be tempted of Satan and fasted for 40 days and all this. So we are, uh, we're talking about somebody who's quite a bit different than us in that sense. But he's giving them this, that you need to do the will of God in your life because that will be fulfilling to you that will nourish you, that will sustain you, that will keep you going in the faith. If you don't do the will of God, you'll be famished in your relationship with Christ. Amen? So do the will of God. It's what he's saying. Um, and so he says, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And we know when he uh, died on the cross, he said, it is finished. Amen? Verse 35, say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Amen? We don't need to put off for tomorrow what we can do today for God. Um, and it's telling us this, the fields are ready to be harvested. And we're the ones that He's commissioned to be a part of that harvesting process. Amen? Now hold your spot there. I'll give you a verse on this. Look at Luke chapter 10, if you will. Luke chapter 10. Look at the first nine verses. I'll begin to read. I'll give you one second. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 9. Scripture reads this, After these things the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before His face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. You see what's happening there? Um, this is a parable. Jesus is talking about taking disciples by twos. 
He's sending them into every place that he would come. And so what's happening is Jesus is sending out word before his arrival. Amen. Uh, right now, we've been sent out into the world to give them word. Jesus is coming back and you better not put it off much longer at all because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Amen. Uh, tragedy can happen at any minute. You can be here today. You're not guaranteed to see tomorrow. But assuming that, 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 you, that something unexpected like that doesn't, even if that doesn't happen, there's a day where it's going to be too late to get saved because Jesus is coming back. Amen? Um, and so don't put it off. You need Jesus. You need Him now. But he, we've been given word to go out uh, and that's what they're doing. Jesus is sending out word before his arrival. Let's go a little further. Therefore said he unto them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen. Lord, please send laborers here to New Lexington to help us because we have a community to reach. And God, I know that no matter how hard we try, it'll be hard to reach them all. But if you sing, just keep sending us laborers, Lord, that we can get out with the gospel and be faithful. Amen. So pray to the Lord that he'll send more laborers. Amen. And so we need that. And so he says, go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse nor script nor shoes and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the Son of Peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Amen? Now, I'm not going to get into breaking this down to the Jew versus to the church today, okay? So there are, there are some dispensational things there involved in that scripture that I could point out. I don't have enough time for that today. But I'll give you a couple things um, that we can pull from that. Uh, the fields are ready to harvest. That's what we're talking about. Jesus sends out word before his arrival. We know Jesus is coming back. We need to have diligence and treat that matter with urgency because when he does, it'll be too late for us to reach anybody else with the gospel at that point. Amen. Our work here is finished at that point. And, um, and so we need to put some urgency behind it. Send out word before his arrival. Then in here, we find some good characteristics that we can pull out of this. One, he gave us an example of our conduct. Amen. What did he tell them? Be his lambs. Wolves are out there. Lambs are in here. Let's keep the wolves out there because we don't want them in here. Amen? Now, if the gospel gets a hold of a wolf and they change and their natures change and they become as a lamb, they'll probably want to be in here with us. Amen? But I'm telling you what, think about the characteristics here. A lamb and a wolf behave in two very different like manners. Amen? And wolves are out to devour and eat up whatever they can. Amen? But the lambs, they have a completely different characteristic. One of which, obey the shepherd. That's a good one. Uh, so he gave us an example of our conduct. We're to be harmless. We're to be gentle. We're to be loving. We're to be, you know, all these things. And so we'll be as a lamb in the midst of wolves. So we understand this. As lambs, 
There's going to be people out there that seek to do us harm. Those are the wolves. But we are not to behave the way they are behaving. Amen? Because that's a hindrance to the gospel. So, he sent out word before his arrival. He gives us an example of our conduct, be uh, lambs. Then he tells then in this, as he's talking about, you'll go uh, to the cities, you'll go to the houses, uh, th- those that receive you, you'll be at peace. And he's telling them this, your needs will be provided for. In, in those exchanges, those needs are provided for. So he's telling us this, he told us not to worry about necessities. Amen? He's told his servants not to worry about necessities. Um, and then he charged us, he charges them to do the works that they're commanded. Um, in this sense, you know, healing the sick that are therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. We need to understand the kingdom of God, it's coming nigh. Amen? It's coming nigh. Now, the healing, God sure can heal the sick. Amen? Now, I can't physically heal the sick. But if somebody will receive the gospel and they'll accept Jesus Christ, I can't limit God in their life. He may just heal them of an infirmity. I don't know what might happen. Uh, but you know, we need to do the works that He's commanded us to do. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is nigh. Amen? And then we go back to John chapter 4 here. More believed because of His own Word. Amen? And so... As we start to close out here, John chapter four, because I only got a few minutes left, we'll uh, we'll finish up. Let's look look down at uh, look down at verse uh, forty three. After two days, he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then, when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast. For they also went unto the feast. Now you remember, the like I told you in John uh, chapter, I think it's chapter 1, or John chapter 2, I think, when he did that first miracle at the feast, and he turned the water into wine. The bigger point of that whole passage is that the works of God would be glorified, the people would have faith. So now he's come back to the location of his first miracle, and everybody knows. They, they expect they know the Messiah. They know His works. And so God was glorified in that. Amen? That people would believe. So they've heard about this. So for, verse 46, So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee where He made the water uh, wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So they they know just from him turning the water into wine that he has power. And they're, they're talking about the miraculous power of Christ that he can heal. He can do this miracle. So he has faith and he's believing that his son who's sick can be healed. And when Jesus, uh, when he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea and the Galilee, he went to him, he besought him. Uh, his son's almost dead, but he knows Jesus can heal him. In verse 48, I love this. Then said Jesus unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Amen? What he said is a truth, though. The reason he was doing the signs and wonders is because there was no way for the people to be converted to believe that he was the Christ without them. Okay? But here's a nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus saying to him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the, and the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him 
and he went his way. Now what ended up happening from there is this. He was confronted on his way back. The men ran to him. His son had, was alive and well. The fever had left him. He says, what hour did that happen? And they told him the hour, and he says, that's the exact hour that I asked Jesus, and the miracle was done, that he would believe, okay? So Galilee is where Jesus did his first miracle. Um, he says, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. He was performing those miracles because he knew that that would give people uh, faith. But I want to give you this quickly before we close for the day. He heals this man's son, and he did it from afar, Amen. He did not have to be immediately standing over him to touch him. He healed him from all that distance away. Amen. He healed him from afar. But then you see here, and this is, you may want to write this part down. You see a pattern of faith confirmed. The pattern of faith confirmed. Before we've seen the pattern of the gospel confirmed and how, but now we see the pattern of faith. First, the, the man first believed the work Jesus did in others' lives. You see that? The man believed already that Jesus could do this miracle in his life because he believed what Jesus had already done in the lives of others. Second, the man believed Jesus could do a work in his life. That's important. I've seen God work in everyone else's life. Jesus wants to do a work in your life today. Jesus wants to do a work in your life this morning. Um, so I, I believe the work Jesus has done in other people's lives. That's important. Amen? Have you ever seen somebody, I, I got saved. You didn't get saved. Stop. You know, all this, that, and then, you know, that wasn't even a right preacher or this, that, you know. None of that. It's the Word of God. Do they have faith in Jesus Christ? That's the test. I don't know. That's between them and God and everything else. I want to believe it when someone gives their testimony and says they've gotten saved. I, I want to believe their testimony. Amen. And say, I believe the work Jesus has done in the lives of others. To be saved, you see the pattern of faith. I believe what Jesus has done in others. I believe that Jesus can do a work in my life. Believe that Jesus can do a work in your life. And then third, the man believed the Word of God when it was spoken. Amen. The number one thing. Believe the Word of God when it is spoken. This miracle at the end of John chapter 4 shows the omnipresence Um of Christ, the fact that He's everywhere, um, and He's here right now. Amen? He's here. He's everywhere. He's omnipresent. He's God. This miracle shows that, and it also shows the omnipotence of Christ, the fact that all power is given Him in heaven and in earth. He has all power today. Amen? Um, power to meet our needs. Most importantly, power to forgive sin, power to redeem us. Um, and then last... This miracle shows His mercy. He can, uh, he, he can, He will, but the only question is, will you ask? He can do it. He will do it. The only question is, will you ask for it? Amen? There's a lot of people that are not saved today because they never asked. They just never asked. He can save. He will save. The question is, will you ask to be saved? The pattern of faith confirmed. Amen. Let me pray with you. We'll get a song of invitation today.